Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. So yeah, you know, today's the money day, right? So this is the day the preacher says we got to give. And about three-fourths of you said, I'm not in with that. No, that's totally cool. All right, no, listen, no condemnation, no guilt, none of that stuff today. I really just, I don't believe the heart of Jesus' teaching is about a legal society that says, pick your net or your gross or your post-tax or pre-tax and figure out 10%. I just don't think, I don't think we can put God in that small of a box and put limits on him. I believe with all my heart that whether it is money or prayer or attending church or drinking, or alcohol, or gambling, or you pick any issue you want. It really doesn't matter. Pick any issue you want. And at the end of the day, I believe Jesus will say it's a matter of your heart. It's a matter of our heart. What we give, what we do, is not about how many zeros are on the check. Although that's cool with me if you write a bunch of them. I'm just saying that if it isn't a matter of our heart, we... We might as well have burned the bills. Jesus teaches it's a matter of the heart. So today we talk about wrapping up this year because when we we give a gift, everybody has somebody when it's Christmas time that you've gotten the perfect gift for. And you can't wait. You want it to be the last gift that's open because when they get to that gift, that is the gift, right? And so you make sure that gift has the right presentation and it's wrapped up the right way. As we close out this year, what if we were to take a look at this year and say, okay, Lord, we're going to bring you the best gift of the holidays. We're going to bring you the best gift of Christmas. We celebrate the birth of your son, and we're going to wrap that up, and it's going to be amazing. But Bobby's right. We want to answer the question today, what really happens when you give? I grew up in a church where, man, the guy who was, he he was hellfire brimstone at it, man. You, You grew up in that church? I mean, really, this, this dude could fire you up. Because when I left, I was pretty sure, man, he had brought it, right? But I remember, man, it was like 10%. If you're not going to give 10%, you're not going to give everything to God, they don't give anything. I just don't think that's in the character of God. I really don't. I understand the purpose for which he was trying to make the point. Totally get that, right? But I really do believe what I said before. When Jesus came and he brought us a new covenant, Because of his shed blood, because of his broken body, because he rose from the dead, because he conquered death, he said, I got a whole new way for you to live. And I want your heart, your mind, and your soul. And when I have those things, everything else falls in place, including money. And so today, we want to answer the question, how do you wrap it up, and why do you wrap it up, and what happens when you give, and what are these things that occur when I give? I... I think everybody, when they, when they give, every, everybody's got a right to know, what did that go do? Why, why did we give? What did we do with that money? What are we doing for the cause of Christ? I think it's okay to know that. I really do. I think it's great when we know where our people and our resources go to make a difference for the cause of Christ. But the first thing that happens when we give is we fulfill our God-given purpose. We are fulfilling our God-given purpose purpose. I mean, how many of you were good at math in school? Anybody, you're good at math in school? I was a great math student until they entered letters into the equation. As long as it was numbers, I was good. 
But when they started throwing away, you know, A equals B and B equals C and then A equals C, I was like, no, no, how do you add A and C? Like, who does that, right? I mean, nobody adds letters. I mean, seriously. So I remember being a seventh grade student at Seabreeze Junior High School in Daytona Beach. And believe it or not, we were a junior high school in Daytona Beach, Florida that didn't have air conditioning. That's kind of like my walk uphill in the snow story. So we're seventh grade, and, and I'm telling you, Mr. Stevenson is, is trying his best to do this algebra and equations. So I get up the guts to go see Mr. Stevenson. Let me give you the picture of him. He's probably 140 pounds soaking wet, got just a, a white button-down short sleeve shirt with a clip-on tie, no undershirt, and a pack of Marlboro Lights in the front pocket. Are you with me? When you walk in, you know Mr. Stevenson wasn't smoking in school, but clearly he was the Marlboro man. All right, he had a bad case of ashtray going on when you walked in there, man. So I remember I walk up to Mr. Stevenson, you take a deep breath, get just the right amount of oxygen before you get in the, in the radius, you know? And I said, Mr. Stevenson, I just don't get it. And his answer was, well, you know what, Alan? One of these days, the light's just gonna come on. I am now 56 years old, and with all due respect, Mr. Stevenson, it has yet to come on. <laughs> Something is wrong with this, right? I was good, but A equals B, B equals C, then A must equal C. Unless you do really messed up things and say, well, A then equals B, and then B equals C, and then how could C equal A? But, but you, are you with me? Of course you're not. You had a Mr. Stevenson too. Are there any math teachers in the room? Anybody that's a math teacher in the room? Oh, coach, I, yeah. Drew back there, he is a math teacher for us over at North Gwinnett. And uh, thank the Lord we've got somebody really working hard. So way to go, coach. Good job. But I remember not being able to add up the equation. But let me give you an equation you can add up. A can equal that you were created in the image of God. You were created in the image of God. Let's, if you go back to the book of Genesis in the first chapter, at the beginning, the first book in the Bible, here's what God says. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Have you ever heard somebody look at a baby and say, you got your daddy's eyes? You, you got your daddy's expression? Okay, so, so Jen and I, we have six daughters, right? Two married off, uh, two out of college, one in college, one about to go into college. And, uh, and you think, you're wondering why I'm talking about money. And so, so we have now, we have three grandbabies now with two more on the way. Yeah, and, uh, and so every now and then I will see, the, we have one girl in the crowd. Her name is Presley Ann. When you call Presley because she's walking towards something she's not supposed to put her hands on, you'll say, press, and she will cut her eyes back around at you, and when she does, you know what I think? Oh, dear God, that's exactly like me. But you know what? I get to see, I get to see her mom in her, and I see her daddy in her. When, I, when we've got little William or, or, or we've, we've got Ford, you know, you know what we see in those two little boys every now and then? I, I see their mama, I see their daddy every now and then, I see a little me. But isn't it great when you look at a child and you say, well, I see your daddy and you. Listen, you were crafted and made in the image of God. God looked at you and said, that's my boy. That's my girl. How dare us look in the mirror in the morning and find fault with God's creation. 
when he says, I want you to act like me. I want you to look like me. I want you to walk like me. I want you to talk like me. I mean, if you put this all together, we were created in the image of God, and God is a generous God. You say, well, how do I know that God is generous, and how do, how do I know about his generosity? In 1 John, it gives us this word that God is love. The greatest gift on this planet is love. With love comes things like peace and contentment and joy and fulfillment. Now, don't get me wrong. Listen, 50 grand will buy some of that for about an hour and a half. But, I mean, we're talking about eternity here. We're talking things that, that last. God is a generous God. In John 3, 16, the world's most famous Bible verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only one son, that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. So if you put the ABC formula together, A equals B, B equals C, A equals C, A equals B, you can look at it any way you want. We were created to be like our Father and be generous. We are never more like God than when we are generous. I've never met a single soul who, who gave 50 bucks for a box of food for a hungry family. Say, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I have never met anybody who went with Diane to Haiti and came back and said, total waste of my time. Feeding those hungry kids, sharing Christ with those folks, giving them clothes, getting, getting them on a roof over their head, finding that, serving those orphans for a total waste of time. I'd have much rather had a roll up. I've never met anybody said that. I've never met anybody who gave and went and participated. When we put together 109,000 meals for Haitian children, I didn't look around and people going, oh, I wish I'd have given my time to something else. I'd much rather watch the ball game today. No, you know what we say after we're generous and we're part of this? This feels good. The presence of God is alive and well in me. Now, I, I, I get it. Some of us have bought into the whole health and wealth deal out there. That, you know, if I give, if I'm generous, then I'm holding God to an ROI, the return on in my investment, and I want 13%. But listen, you can't put God inside of a Charles Schwab box and guarantee a return because he might just blow your mind and blow the box up. You see, the greatest blessing is the ability to give. The greatest blessing is the fact that we got to be a part of what God is already doing. That God said, I want you to participate in this work. I want you to come play on this field. I want you to be my children, and I want you to come do this. Because the second thing we know, when we give, we make God smile. He's a good, good father. He said, well, Chuck, where do you get that? Well, if you look in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, here's what the Scriptures say. You can follow along on the screens, or maybe you've got the app open. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are, children of God. God called us, let us sit at the big person table for Thanksgiving, and said, you're my kid. You trust Christ. You choose the fact that he died for you, shed his blood for you, rose from the dead for you. Come on, be my kid. Be a part of my family. And when you do that, come participate in what we do. Between services, I thought, you know what? I, I've been talking about buying boxes. I haven't bought my boxes yet. I went back and bought a couple of boxes with Susan. You, you can walk back there and swipe your little debit card or whatever you want to do. Why not? Again, I mean, is it really possible that we could be blessed beyond measure by just doing what we can? Now, I want to stop right here because some of you have already said, nope, Chuck, I'm not into this. No. Chuck, if you only knew how little money I have, let me tell you something, I, I think I know. Uh, it's easy for a preacher to sit up here and talk about you ought to give and you ought to do. It, that's easy for me to do. Listen, you, you should expect me to have this talk. 
But before I did preacher talk for a living, and before I did this, this was my, this, this is what I did. Jenny and I had gotten married. She had gone through a brutal divorce. I had gone through a misery, a time when my first wife passed away. And two, two and a half years later, we got married. We had six daughters in the house, four teenage drivers at one time. <laughs> Live to tell about it. Sarah is here today. Wave to everybody, Sarah. There is nothing in this county she hasn't run her car into. <laughs> Sarah is a body shop in need. Just wherever we go, we know every, we just keep a running tab. But she's a big girl now and off my insurance. <laughs> but we hit a season where we lost everything we owned. We lost everything we owned. I, I went a little over a year with zero income. I, I, so before you say, well, you, don't know, you don't know how tight it is. Yeah, I do. I remember, Jen, when I took a speaking gig in L.A. for Tim Bear, and I had just enough money to buy a ticket. And they said, we'll, we'll give you a reimbursement and we'll pay you for the fee to come out and do a consulting gig and a speaking gig. And, I had enough money to catch a flight on AirTran at the time and fly to LAX. Got off there, and I, I told them, you got to pick me up. I don't want to fool with a rental car. I couldn't tell them I didn't have enough money to get a rental car. And uh, they picked me up, and when I was done, I'm thinking, this is going to be great. I'm going to get a check. I can grab, I can grab somebody who will drive me by. I can put it in a bank of America. I have enough money. I can get LAX. I can buy a flight, whatever the next flight is. If not, I can grab a hotel and get there. And then I got done with my speaking deal, and the sweet guy walked up, and he said, thank you so much. This was wonderful. Thanks for coming all the way over to the... Uh, to the uh, Pacific Coast. He said, we'll put your check in the mail in the next week or two. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I am totally messed up. I, I am on the other side of the world in a foreign missionary place called California. <laughs> I mean, those people don't even speak English over there. They have no idea what grits are, and they've never heard people say y'all. But there I was, and I thought, my stars, what are we going to do? God just found a way, and we, we got back home. And you know what? What we found going through all of that, God will find a way to care for you. But it may not always be a return on your dollar. You say, well, Chuck, that's what I need, because I, I don't think I could give a dollar. Could, could I just say to you, I really know when giving one dollar is really, really, really a sacrifice. But I want to tell you, friend, if you're going to allow one buck to keep you from experiencing the joy of God smiling on you and being more like him, boy, don't miss this. Don't miss this. I've seen God do stuff that you would just blow your mind where all of a sudden it was like, Jen, can you believe this? I got home from that gig, and within a couple of days there was a check in the mail that had come back from something I never thought we'd see the money for, and I was just blown away. And the only thing I'd say is, God, thank you. You see, I really don't believe it's about giving 10%. I don't really believe it's about giving 20%. I believe it's a matter of your heart. I mean, seriously, if, if you wanted to know what I really believe in, what I really trust, what I really value, you know what you do? You look at my calendar, and you look at my checkbook. If you looked at my checkbook and I gave you my Bank of America account today, you know what you'd see? You'd see at least three things. You'd probably see a lot more, but you'd see at least three things. You'd see, well, you know, Chuck likes the house he lives in. He loves that. That's, that's cool. Chuck really likes seafood. And you know what else? You say, Chuck, Chuck doesn't, doesn't always give what people think he should, but I'm telling you, Chuck gives, and it hurts. 
And I can promise you, you could also follow the trail of deposits that come into that checkbook and see where God has faithfully done something and just blows my mind. Because see, I, I think many of us don't give because we believe the lie that if I can't give 10%, I shouldn't give at all. Could I just say to you, I don't think God's walking through the portals of heaven with a calculator saying, oh, they only gave 1.4. Mm. I, I don't think you can see that in the character of God. I think the character of God looks inside of our heart says, I sent my son to die for you, to, to, to beat sin. How much more so do I just want to ask you to participate in the work that you've called him to do because you're, you're a part of the family. So listen, if two quarters are a sacrifice, that is greater than a 10,000 gift to somebody that ought to give 20. It's not about the number. I promise you it's not about the number. And anybody who wants to tell you it is about the number is missing the character and the heart of Jesus. So when you put all this together, you make God smile. I don't know about you, but I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. I just don't, that's not in the script. Um, but you know, I, I love when my, our girls were little and I'd walk in the door. I loved it when, when I saw them smile because it lit me up. I believe God can't wait to smile when he sees us do what we're supposed to do. When we give, we position ourselves for the, for the right blessing. I mean, we really see a fresh opportunity for blessing. Paul wrote this letter to a little town called Philippi, and there was a church, the Christians that were known as Philippians. And he wrote in chapter 4, verse 19, he says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. You see, you may not understand it all, and I may not can explain it all, and I may not get it all. But in Romans 8, 32, he says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So if you're here today and you say, You know what? I'm not giving anything up. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. Keep your money. God does not need it. He simply calls us and allows us the privilege of being a part of it. You say, well, Chuck, that's not going to help your bottom line. You're right, but it'll help the bigger and greater bottom line because it's about your heart. It's always about your heart. God is a generous God giving us every blessing in life. When you give, you gain a fresh perspective. When you give, you, you gain this beautiful perspective. I mean, seriously, all of a sudden it's, wait a minute. I just had enough food that we threw away, and there are kids that aren't going to have a meal in Haiti for the next week, but I just threw enough away to feed seven kids. Wait a minute. I, I, I have enough medication in my bathroom to probably take care of 20 children, but you know, I just let it sit there just in case. You know, my greatest problem is whether or not I can get the NFL channel in HD. It'll gain us a greater perspective. Matthew 6, 21 is pretty clear. You know what it says? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what that's saying? That what, what is in your heart is coming out here in your mouth and coming out of your wallet. What's in your heart is revealed in what you say, what you do, what you give your time to, what you give your resources to. What you truly believe, you can't hide. I mean, you can say to people all day long, this is what I believe in. But you know what? If we were to investigate and do a little bit of creative work, what do we find that that's really what you believe? Because it's a heart issue, not a checking account issue. I mean, seriously, if he knows how many hairs are on your head, does he not know the code to your debit card? When you give, you partner with God through his church. 
You see, God doesn't need permission to access our resources. God gives us clear direction here. I mean, seriously, when we give, we partner with God through his church. Not my church, not your church, not our church, his church. We're to do what we do for him. We're to give what we do for him. Anytime we give out of guilt, anytime we get, give out of being falsely motivated, we've missed the whole thing. I guarantee you, God's not looking down on northern Gwinnett County saying, oh, my stars, I don't have anybody trying to do my work. I think he looks down on us and says, come on, kids, let's go. I'm calling for you. Let's go. But while God doesn't need us, he invites us to participate with him. He invites us to come be a part of his work. I want to share a few things that because of your generosity that Sugar Hill Church is already doing just in the last two years. Let me share a few stats with you. Are you ready? In the last two years, more than 500 people have joined Sugar Hill Church. That just blows my mind. More than 210 people have followed Jesus and believers' baptism. We've packed more than 2,100 Operation Christmas Child boxes. We've packed more than 3,400 backpacks, now working with six different schools, sending phone, food home on the weekends for Title I children who don't have food. We've provided Christmas for more than 400 kids, provided more than 420 boxes of groceries through our co-op. We have, through your generosity, been able to assist families with more than $50,000 in benevolence needs and given more than $350,000 to mission needs. That doesn't even count the money that you raise to go places. We've sponsored more than 400 children through Compassion International in the Dominican Republic and Haiti, where most of them are. We fed and equipped more than 300 families in Kenya and seen a third of them come to know Jesus as Savior. Since January of this year, more than 300 first-time guests have shown up in our student ministry grades 7 through 12. That's crazy good. Who does that? On top of that, our mission trips have included Haiti, Guatemala, Spain, Pauly's Island, and we're helping plant a church in Phoenix, Arizona that looks and smells just like Sugar Hill Church. Just this year, when 90% of all churches are dying or stagnant, we have grown in every area of ministry right here and Little Sugar Hill Church. In Haiti alone, your generosity has provided more than $4,600 in medical assistance, more than 5,200 children experienced vacation Bible school, and in an age-appropriate way with the right translation, more than 2,000 children heard a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus. According to the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention that has 42,000 churches in America, they had some type of configuration to determine who were the healthiest churches in America. Out of 42,000 churches, they found 26 that met that criteria. And right in the middle was little old Sugar Hill Church. Come on, man! So I say all those things to say, don't miss what God's doing. This train has not left the track. Grab a ticket and let's roll. One of the reasons all these things happen is because you guys killed it in the last six weeks last year. Let us wrap it up and do it again. See God do amazing things all over again. So for those of you who have given clothes or shelter or food to people in need, thank you. Thank you. 
For those of you who support a child on the other side of the world, thank you. For those of you that have packed meals and backpacks and prayed for our church, thank you. For those of you who give your time and your energy and your resources, thank you. For those of you that have given anything to Sugar Hill Church, thank you. Thank you for fulfilling your God-given purpose. Thank you for making God smile. Thank you for positioning yourself for God's richest blessings. Thank you for changing your perspective and have a fresh perspective that's not about something you once thought or you once knew, but something you're experiencing that God's using you today. And thank you for partnering with God here in His church at Little Old Sugar Hill Church. Let's wrap it up this year. Last year, I think in the last six weeks, we gave like 587, 589,000, something like that. That included a one-time check of $100,000 from a lady that's not a member of this church. That, hello. So I, all I'd say to you is let's don't put a lid on a half million dollars. Just, just do what God tells you to do. If a sacrifice is 50 cents, give 50 cents. If sacrifice is 20 grand, give 20 grand. But don't put God in a box and miss what he's doing here. This is, this is unusual. It's really, this is, don't miss this. He's the great I am. Let's pray. Lord, today, as we ponder with you what it is that you've called us to, what we know is you've called us into relationship with you. you you've called us into service that we might be with you. You've called us to look like you and act like you in generosity and in graciousness and gratitude. God, let let us be a people that when we walk out of here today, we would walk out knowing we did what you told us to do. And this week, when we see people in need, God, I pray we'd never be about the fact that what we do in this building is ever more important than what we do outside this building. God, thank you for letting us be part of a church that really does believe what we go do outside matters far more than what we do inside this world as we try to look like our heavenly dad so god give us the strength and courage to one be in right relationship with you everything will get right when we get jesus right in our life so lord let us start there and then i pray we'd grow more and more week by week day by day more like you that we would resemble our generous gracious heavenly father Lord, we love you and we thank you that here we can see you at work for testimonies of people who are all about you. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.